This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Thanks for swiping right on the show tonight. It's Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Drew Carter, Courtney Cronin filling in for Joe and Amber. And uh, Mrs. Fortenbaugh, if you're listening, just want to apologize on behalf of Joe. Because who wants to hear that their husband is upset that he met his future wife just before the dating apps came out? That feels like bad form to me from Joe. I think that he's just, it's a part of the conversation now he can't ever be part of. I mean, he's yeah. very happy he met his wife, Mrs. Fortenbaugh. I'm sure she is a lovely, lovely individual. But he doesn't get to partake in any of the dating controversies that come from getting catfished, for example. I actually think he lucked out. But I can understand yeah. from his perspective, he is, there's a whole world out there that Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber, to a degree, have absolutely no clue about. Me too. You I've too, been, James? I've been with Lisa for almost 20 years now. Okay, high school you're, sweethearts. You like to get way back College, there. I guess. Okay. You're, you're not missing 40. out. You're not missing out on much. The grass is always greener. Let's just say that. AOL and, Instant Messenger was my uh, Tinder. <laughs> I would have then. loved to have seen your away statuses. I'm sure they were super duper well thought out. I'm, I, I think I was. Yeah, I'm a... I'm, my music uh, tastes were a little bit emo back then, so yeah. I probably had some good it ones. It tracks. Yeah. A little, little My Chemical Romance action no, no, for no, you, no, James, no, or was no, that no, that's no. too late? I, I, I think I was before My Chemical That was before oh, My Chemical It's going to be like romance. a Linkin Park reference with like the Park. like how Cam Newton tweets, you know, like that weird language. Oh, man. No, yeah. I never did that. Like, that's, a, that, that was, that's too much effort. Some let cold. the record show. I have no idea yeah. what you guys were talking about. Yeah, it's because you're too young. <laughs> Well, one guy who might be on the proverbial market is James Harden. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reports today that James Harden is opting into his player option with Philly for one more year, which clears the way for them to work on a trade. If you're keeping score at home, I think that's three trade requests for James Harden in the last decade, but we could be under-calculating that, and that is our top story tonight here on Joe and Amber. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. What do your home and auto have in common? They're yours, and Progressive protects them both. Bundle today at Progressive.com. So, James Harden, the initial report from Adrian, Adrian Wojnarowski. Of course, as we enter free agency in under 24 hours, this could lead to some dominoes falling. This was Brian Windhorst today on PTI about what a Harden trade could mean for some other guys. It now appears like Philadelphia may be in need of a point guard, and there may be an option there for Kyrie Irving to continue to test that situation. So I would not be surprised if we see Kyrie want to investigate what's going on in Philadelphia. If Harden moves out, if there's a window for him to come in. The other name here is Dame Lillard. Is it possible that Philadelphia, if James Harden moves out, could acquire assets from Los Angeles, put their assets together, and prepare an offer for Dame Lillard? That is an option. Kyrie Irving potentially would be an option, or they could go with Tyrese Maxey, take whatever assets they, they might get in a James Harden trade, and send him send those assets somewhere else for somebody else. Courtney, this might as well be 2018 or 2019 or 2020, or really any year in the past five years, talking about how James Harden could be on the move and Kyrie Irving could be on the move. Could Damian Lillard be leaving Portland? It feels like we do this every year with this same group of guys. Yeah, it feels like this is very 2018 of us when these guys were just coming into their prime, and we know how many times Kyrie Irving has moved around. Damian Lillard, the only one of those three who's actually stayed with the team that drafted him back a decade ago. But 
it's interesting that those two names, Wendy kind of floated out there that, hey, if James Harden leaves, Philly's looking for a point guard. Might it be Kyrie Irving? Might it be Damian Lillard? I, why not look at the option you have right there on your roster first in Tyrese Maxey? Mm-hmm. You've got to think about what James Harden has prevented Tyrese Maxey from becoming. At this stage of James Harden's career, he's not the shooter that we knew him to be back when he was, you know, the MVP back in his Houston Rocket days. Like that's the best way to classify it when he was there, when he was making headlines as a perennial all-star. That's who he was. He's a facilitator now, Drew, and having the ball in his hands for the majority of the game, facilitating that action, that's how he relies on like making his biggest impact. That takes away the ability for Tyrese Maxey, who is up for an extension this offseason, to reach his full potential. So if James Harden's now out of the way, we A, have to find out how Nick, what does Nick Nurse feel about Tyrese Maxey? How does he feel about him taking over that role potentially as a point guard? Could it be a better long-term play and looking for someone else to bring in in a different role that you can keep James Hart, you can keep Joel Embiid happy, you can give Tyrese Maxey the keys to this offense because there were moments the last two postseasons that he was a more consistent player than James Harden. Yes, we saw the explosion twice against the Boston Celtics where Harden went for 40-plus points in two games. We also saw the clunkers in Game 6 and Game 7. Tyrese Maxey has so much unassumed potential that I'd be willing to go look at that direction first, see how that sets up your roster for next season, and then work around whatever other holes you think are on the roster and go that route before you are willing to go all in on Kyrie Irving again, another boom bust sort of prospect that you'd be bringing in to the into your like into your fold. And then of course Damian Lillard, I, I'm well aware he would upgrade the point guard spot, but do you want to give up what it's going to cost to get him? I don't know that they have the assets to do that. Yeah, I, I like where you're going with the Tyrese Maxey thing. I, I would love to see Maxey in. Uh, a more accentuated role. You know, he's a starter for them, but his usage rate has never been above 24%. He's never been more than the third option for this team, and I I think he can be. But James Harden, as much as I'd love to sit here and say they're actually going to be better without him, like they could get nothing in return and it would be addition by subtraction, I don't think we're at that point with James Harden yet because if you look at his on-off splits last year, Sixers were about four points per 100 possessions better with James Harden as opposed to when he was off the floor. But if you look in the playoffs, his net rating was putrid last season. Minus 21.7 per 100 possessions, which must have been the worst in the NBA in the playoffs. And that's what we consistently see with him. You're right, he had two great games against Boston last year, including some clutch shots, which we are not used to with James Harden in the postseason. But he's just not the playoff performer that you need to get over the hump. And and By the way, I don't think Joel Embiid is blameless in the Sixers' failures to get past the second round. Obviously, they made the scapegoat the coach in Doc Rivers and bringing in Nick Nurse. Maybe James Harden just doesn't want to play for Nick Nurse. Maybe that's what's going on here. But... To me, I think James Harden is still a productive player, but I would love to see the next chapter of Tyrese Maxey's career because I'm with you, Corden. He's an exciting player, and he's been more consistent than Harden the last couple seasons. And if he's not the guy, there's still some other point guard options out there. Fred Van Vliet, we know the connection with Nick Nurse. They were together with the Toronto Raptors for a number of years. That's a name that I would absolutely 
check in on if you're the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm sure they're doing it now before free agency starts officially at 6 p.m. on Friday night. I don't think all hope is lost. I know that you and I have been on the same page. Nobody in their right mind thinks that James Harden leaving Philly is going to make that roster better. It just isn't the case. They cannot afford a gap year, though. So they've got to find a workaround for this potential sign-and-trade that they are willing to facilitate here with him opting into his $36.5 million player option. And what they can get back in return for that, maybe it's assets that they can use right now in terms of the flexibility from a spending perspective. Maybe it's a player in the mix that could help take some of that offensive burden. Maybe you give some of the burden then to Tyrese Maxey. Maybe it comes from a different source. But either way, Philly's got no time to waste here. This can't be a situation where they say goodbye to James Harden and then say goodbye to their chances to contend in the East next year. Yeah, we heard Nick Ferdell on first take yesterday talking about how you know one more year where Philly falls in the second round and it could be Joel Embiid demanding a trade next year for the Sixers. So we'll see what happens with James Harden, but it sounds like he is on his way out. Coming up, I already ranked my top five NFL rookies, so you have the answer key. You have the right answer to this question, who will the top five rookies be in the NFL? But Courtney is going to try to one-up me next. She will do that, and we can hear from you weighing in on the top five NFL rookies. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. NFL Rankem Series rolls along here on ESPN Radio. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Drew Carter, Courtney Cronin filling in. For Joe and Amber tonight, you want to get involved in the show, 888-SAY-ESPN is the number, 888-729-3776. Already gave out my top five NFL rookies. It's time for Courtney's top five. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. So badly want to bring Super Bowl here to Buffalo. Herbert rolling right, throws, touchdown. To the top five NFL fan bases. 
We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's Rank Them, the top five rookies. Number five. All right, I'm starting things off with the Seattle Seahawks here. Devin Witherspoon, the number five overall pick, is going to make a massive, massive contribution this year as a starting corner in this defense. We know that they've been trying to figure out how do they get back to some level of relevancy, of skill that they just did not have in the years following the Legion of Boom. You know, Quandre Diggs is getting up there. Jamal Adams has had kind of some so-so seasons after he was traded from the Jets. Getting Devin Witherspoon into the fold in the secondary helps this past defense, and they've made a lot, a lot of additions this year, whether it was Jarek Reed, he was a six-round pick for them. They are definitely focusing on the safety position and the cornerback position. It all starts, though, with their first-round pick, which we all thought was going to be Anthony Richardson. It is instead Devin Witherspoon. Number four. Also should say I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up contending and pushing some players for defense, rook, defensive rookie of the year, but I'll stick here with uh, with another player that came in one of the lower round, lower part of the first round, Zay Flowers, wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. I think he was actually drafted right around the time of your number four, number three, Jordan Addison. It was mm-hmm. that run on receivers that happened at the end of the first round. This is so critical for Lamar Jackson. Hours before... Zay Flowers was drafted. We found out that Lamar had signed his extension, agreed to it uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, having as much help in the with, among the worst pass-catching t- uh, core in the NFL from last year, whether it's Odell Beckham Jr., whether it's Zay Flowers. This one is really going to bolster all the options that Lamar Jackson has to get back to playing at an MVP level. And what we saw Zay Flowers do in college was exactly the reason why he was a first-round pick. So he is my number four. Number three. Will Anderson, I had a really hard time finding a spot for him because I could absolutely, if you're going to argue with my list, that is absolutely fine. I'd love to hear it. I could have put Will Anderson number one overall. But because he's on a Texans team that is still a year or two away from being relevant in the AFC South and a division that has all new quarterbacks except for in Jacksonville and all rookies at that, it's going to be some time before this Texans defense takes shape. Fortunately, he's playing for D'Amico Ryans. I know that you can look at all of the Bosa comparisons that are out there and how he looked when he got to the 49ers versus where Nick Bosa is right now. Will Anderson has that same sort of pedigree. He was the best defensive player in the draft, no question. He's number three on my list of rookies, probably the guy who's going to win defensive rookie of the year if Devin Witherspoon doesn't push him down the stretch of the season. Number two. Atlanta wanted a running back. They have made some stranger picks in the top like top 10 the last time they've been drafting. Obviously, the Kyle Pitts pick did not pan out, but drafting a rookie running back at eight is one that they hope they will be able to hang their hat on. Bijan Robinson was tremendous at Texas. He can do it all. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He can be a three-down back in every form and fashion. He's going to put up a lot of numbers this year for this Atlanta def- this Atlanta offense that's still going to be trying to figure out what its identity is with Spencer with um, Desmond Ritter at quarterback now that they've moved on from Marcus Mariota. Some thought they might be into a quarterback. They end up going the running back route. It's important to have a running game when you're trying to figure out how your offense is going to get off the ground here in Atlanta. 
number one. Not the sexiest pick, but a very obvious one and one that in a division that is absolutely wide open. That is the NFC South. Bryce Young, the overall number one pick for the Carolina Panthers. Carolina made no bones about it when they traded with the Chicago Bears, sending five draft picks and DJ Moore to Chicago in exchange for the number one overall pick. Bryce is their guy, and for good reason. We know how successful he was at the University of Alabama the last two years. He has the concerns about his size, and all of that stuff is relevant until it isn't. And I really don't think with the pieces that Carolina has brought in this offseason, after losing DJ Moore, they end up bolstering their receiving core with a couple free agent acquisitions. Your guy Adam Thielen made his way to Carolina. I look at this year for Bryce Young, and everything is lined up according to plan. During the offseason, Scott Fitter, their GM, Frank Reich, their head coach, they all said that he should be the starter. This was their timeline. A couple weeks ago, they put him QB1 on the depth chart. They're not messing around here. Bryce Young is their guy. They have quality backup in Andy Dalton, but this is going to be his chance to hit the ground running. He'll probably hit a rookie wall at some point, but he is going to be the most impactful rookie on a team that absolutely needs direction. They had eight quarterbacks since 2018. Time to get that position solidified. I believe they have with Bryce Young. Tremendous stuff. Here's the top five list from Courtney Cronin. Bryce Young, B. John Robinson, Will Anderson, Zay Flowers, Devin Witherspoon. Let me ask you this. You're in Chicago. You cover the Bears. Would you have drafted Bryce Young first? For which team? For Carolina? or For, for... Chicago. Would you have kept the pick and drafted him? No. I think that they, they are in a perfect situation. How they ended up getting that extra first-round pick for next year, too. Uh, that If Justin Fields doesn't pan out here then they have a chance not only with their own first-round pick, and if if he doesn't pan out, that means they're a bad team. So that means they're probably drafting top 10. And then, in addition, you'd have Carolina's first-round pick from next year. They have a chance to go get Drake May, to go get Caleb Mm. Williams, if it doesn't play out the way that this fan base at least hopes it will. I mean, the fact that like they had this much confidence in Justin Fields from the very end of the season, when everything went awry, it's a 3-14 and 14 team. They're trying to figure out what's next after getting the number one pick, which they didn't have until after their game against Minnesota ended. They ended up becoming in possession of that pick after Houston beat Indy on that wild game on the road in week 18. Shout but out, Lovey I wasn't surprised that... That conversation, do we trade it? Do we keep it? It quickly dissipated around the time of the combine, and Ryan Poles, the GM of the Chicago Bears, did a really good job fielding offers to make sure that he was able to get a player in this trade that would help make his decision to hold on to Justin Fields right and to give him everything he needs to succeed. And if he doesn't, then they go draft a quarterback next year. Win-win all around. Yeah, well, if Chris Carlin is even close to right on his Justin Fields prediction for this year saying he's going to be in the mix for an MVP, then I think Bears fans will be pretty happy with that decision to trade the number one pick and let the Panthers take Bryce Young. So in review, Courtney had Bryce Young, B. John Robinson, Will Anderson, Zay Flowers, Devin Witherspoon. I went B. John, Anderson, Kalijah Cansey at three, Jordan Addison, and then Bryce Young at five. Coming up, where's the most likely landing spot for James Harden? I've got an amazing hypothetical trade. This is ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Where is James Harden heading next? 
What does it mean for Kyrie? What does it mean for Damian Lillard? Free agency hasn't even started yet, and we've already got all these questions, and no one better to answer them than Bobby Marks, ESPN's NBA front office insider, who's joining us here on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, alongside Courtney Cronin. I'm Drew Carter filling in. Bobby Marks has read the NBA CBA more times than a pastor has read the Bible, so he is the perfect person to bring in to talk about this. But, Bobby, I don't want to start with the boring stuff. Let's get right into it, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Woj tweeted that the Clippers are expected to be a contender for James Harden in this sign-and-trade scenario. Let's say the Clippers call up the Sixers and say, hey, we'll give you Kawhi for Harden straight up. Who says no to that trade? Probably the Clippers. Uh, and I think if they call the, the Sixers, it's going to be a, a package of expiring contracts, whether it be Robert Covington and Nick Batum or Marcus Morris or maybe Norman Powell in a 2028 first. I All think right. that's what you're staring at sure. as far as what you're offering. Um with James Harden. I think there's, you know, certainly there's risk involved with Harden um, for any of these teams here to give up a tremendous amount of assets. Uh, He's not extension eligible. He'll be an unrestricted free agent at the age of 35 next off season. And, you know, how long are you, you know, for one year, terrific. But I think that's, you know, that's certainly the, there's a risk reward with, uh, with, uh, with, with James Harden here. And I I don't see it, you know, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. I I think it's hard for me to even see in New York with RJ Barrett, you know, players like that here. Um, But I think there'll be a market for Harden. um, But I just don't see it's not going to be like a, a, a wow me type, you know, type offer. So it is surprising because news, even as of this morning, was that it sounded like the 76ers and Harden were going to work something out, and then he opts in to that $36.5 million player option. Do, do you think he did that because the 76ers communicated to him that they didn't want to make a long-term commitment, and thus he wants to go you know, choose his own destination, and the best pathway to get there was by opting in? Yeah, I just think, you know, I always say when if you're going to decline an option, um you better make sure there's a an insurance policy waiting for you that you're you're comfortable with here. And I think with Harden, um there wasn't an in you know, whether it be the length of the contract, whether, you know, Philadelphia going to look short term, whether it be 2 years, and I think if you're if you're Harden, you're looking for you know, 3 or 4 years. Um I think if I was advising him, um I think I would have been comfortable at three for a hundred. I don't know if Philadelphia would have gone there, um, but there's a big risk there because you know here's the Sixer organization that got hit pretty hard last year for tampering um, during the whole PJ Tucker and Daniel House situation, and I think they're you know you're, they're certainly trying to be careful as far as work around the edges as far as I don't know promising what the next contract could could look like here, and I think for James Harden, it, it you know wasn't worth the risk of declining that and then and then they're basically at, you, you decline it and you're at the mercy of the team right the team basically controls as far as what the parameters whether it be length and dollars here and um you know I, i've said all along if you know if if you know fred van vliet let's say goes to houston then where where, where would the marketplace be for james Harden? there there really wouldn't be except for maybe going back to philly on a, on a one-year deal chatting with bobby marks here espn's nba front office insider on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, Courtney Cronin, Drew Carter filling in tonight. So, Bobby, with Harden opting in, 
to me, I, I just wonder why the Sixers, it sounds like they've already agreed to work on a trade for him. Where does his leverage come from here, and, and why would the Sixers agree to do this? And I guess, follow-up, is there a chance that they just hang on to him? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, there's always a chance. I mean, I think the big question would be if there's not – it's almost like we're, we're talking about Kevin Durant. It's like deja vu, right? I mean, like, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like a year ago we had Durant's situation. Now he's got Harden. Yeah, there's always a, a chance. Now, does that mean that he would be in training camp come October or on the, on the court? Um you know, is it, you know, are you waiting for the perfect package here? Um, or are you looking to try to get something done by the weekend? Because it kind of gets in motion as far as what else you can do from a free agent standpoint. Because right now, with him on your roster, you're limited as far as what you can add in, uh, you know, in, in free agency here. So, um, you know, from a, from a leverage standpoint, I'm not sure who has the leverage. Uh, you know, certainly Philadelphia could say because, um, you know, they dictate where maybe Harding can go and, you know, you can wait for the best offer. But like, as I said, a player on an expiring contract, um, you know, it's basically a hired gun, I guess, you know, as far as a, a one-year rental. Um, you do incur his bird rights to, so you can bring him back next year. But um, it, it's interesting. You know, I think there may be more suitors than we may think, but I just don't think the, the package is going to be um, you know, it's not going to be a perfect package for Philadelphia. Bobby, with if let's play this scenario out, and I know that you've been very vocal that this team is not better when James Harden is not on the roster for Philly and that they do want to avoid that gap year. In looking for a way to upgrade their backcourt, and I know some names yeah. that we can get to here, Kyrie and Dame surfacing as potential options, why wouldn't they turn to Tyrese Maxey first? Because wouldn't having James Harden out of the picture give Tyrese Maxey the runway he needs to assume his full potential and not having such an on-ball dominant player like Harden playing next to him? That's a great question. That's yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, here's a guy that's his numbers, you know, when he starts last year were off the charts. Um, he's, I think, you know, he's extension eligible this off season. So, you know, Philadelphia likely will probably make a nice investment in him. Some, you know, you know, maybe down the road here. Um, yeah. And I, and I, I know I use the word gap year, I guess like that. I, you know, sometimes, when you subtract a player, um, you think you're going to take a huge step back when you're losing 24 points, 11 assists here. But it, that, as you said, it, it opens things up. It gives you a different style of play, um, you know, with Embiid and, and Maxi. We'll see what happens with, you know, Tobias Harris, um, you know, what else they can do and, you know, what they get back in, in a hardened package here. Um, but I don't, yeah, I wouldn't be looking for my next, you know, point guard, um, you know, because I think I've got Maxi, you know, I've got Maxi there. I think you've got to find somebody that can compliment him. I think that would be certainly the goal. And if they do trade James Harden, and we all want to see what Tyrese Maxi could do, but how likely do you think it would be that, you know, they bring in a Kyrie Irving or tried to trade for Damian Lillard? Maybe they bring in Fred Van Vliet. How aggressive do you think the Sixers would be in trying to bring in another point guard if they do part ways with Harden? Yeah, I mean, any anything, you know, unless you're, you're moving Harden for nothing, you know, any of those guys, um, you know, not Lillard, but, you know, Kyrie and Brad would be certainly a signing trade. Um, and that's, that's, you know, pretty complicated to, to do. And they really don't have the – I think they've got a 2030 
first that they can move in a deal. So that's that's a little more kind of yeah. Fred in in, in Philly makes sense just because of Nick Nurse and someone we played for. It's just a matter of getting him there at a pretty high number. Lillard, you know, certainly Lillard would probably cost you Maxi. Um, so that's the, the decision that you at least Maxi, and, and I don't know what else you could you know add in there. There's not as much value on, on from a draft asset standpoint here. So. I'm sure Philly, you know, they they're creative down there and they'll come up with a lot of different ways and um but it's yeah, it's 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 um you know, you're not getting you you're probably not getting the full value of what you think, you know, James Harden is just based on where he is, um, you know, with that contract. A couple minutes ago we saw from Woj that the Kings have agreed to an extension, 3 years, 54 million dollars with Harrison Barnes. So with that being known, how do you think that's going to affect a potential signing with Draymond Green does that affect their interest do you think with him going forward yeah I would say you could probably take Sacramento off the board with Draymond Green um just because cap space gets shrinked down to about 18 million dollars I think the focus now is turns to Demonis Sabonis trying to renegotiate his contract and, and give him an extension off that uh try to bring back Trey Lyles um you know see what else you can do with whatever remaining room you have left, um, maybe build your bench a little bit here. But I would say, yeah, I would say the thought of Draymond in a Sacramento uniform is probably all bit over um, just based on, you know, going in this direction. I thought it was a little bit of a long shot. I thought Sacramento potentially as a wild card, just in case things got a little haywire and with, uh, with the Warriors here. But I think, you know, the Barnes extension probably takes them, would take them off the board. Chatting with Bobby Marks here on ESPN Radio, Joe and Amber, Bobby, the ESPN NBA front office insider. And Bobby, before we let you go here, got to ask about Kyrie Irving, which I feel like is a sentence you've probably heard a lot. Before we let you go, got (laughs) to ask about Kyrie. Back in the news, there's a report from Chris Haynes of Yahoo that says that Kyrie Irving has met with the Phoenix Suns in free agency. Sounded like Dallas wanted to retain him, but who knows? How do you see the Kyrie situation unfolding here? Well, I said it on TV today. I said, if you know, they asked me if you know, how could Phoenix sign Kyrie? And I said, well, if he wants to go for a three million dollar veteran minimum exception, he can oh do gosh. that. <laughs> you know, more power to him. Like, if he wants to take a forty million dollar pay cut, and he listen, he's a wild card. And you know, if money's not a factor, then he can find his way to Phoenix. Um, I think certainly what happens in Houston um, will dictate a lot of things. Whether it be if Van Vliet goes there, that takes a team off the board. Certainly, Harden staying. Um, yeah, I think Dallas. You know, it's almost like it's almost like the Harden situation a little bit, where you know you're trying to figure out what's the length you're willing to do on a contract, whether it be three years. Uh, I don't know if it's I don't think it's four years, and what's the number going to be with with Kyrie? But as you got, you know, you guys know he's the ultimate wild card. Like it wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me him to get you know um, upset at what Dallas is offering and be like, you know what, I'm going to go to the Lakers for the twelve point four million dollar non taxman level. I've made enough money here, and I want to go play with LeBron James. So I, I think certainly anything is on the table with him. I think for Dallas, I think you're kind of playing with fire a little bit because you lost Brunson last offseason, and I don't think you can afford to lose Kyrie this offseason. Expect the, expect the unexpected with Kyrie Irving, and, of course, he is cryptically tweeting. So you can check that out, and while you're on Twitter, follow Bobby Marks <laughs> at Bobby Marks. i got to go back 42. to reading the 667 pages of the right. CBA. <laughs> it's actually easy to understand the CBA than Kyrie's tweets. Uh, he's Bobby Marks at ESPN's NBA front office insider. Bobby, I know NBA for agency is going to be a busy time for you, so thanks for taking a few minutes with us. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. All right, he's Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, joining us here on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. 
It's presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, what does Courtney have in common with a future Hall of Fame NHL goalie? We will tell you next. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Is there anything more terrifying than standing in front of a room with everyone watching you, everyone listening to you, and you blank on what you're about to say? It is the most horrifying idea of all time, and it just happened to one of the best NHL players in recent memory. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, alongside Courtney Cronin. I'm Drew Carter filling in tonight. And that NHL player who just lived all of our worst nightmare is Carey Price, Canadian's goalie for the last decade plus who's had a decorated NHL career, but unfortunately now has something to add to his reel of lowlights. They asked him to announce the pick, Montreal number five overall last night, and this is what happened. Bonsoir. Le Canadien de Montreal are proud to select David <laughs> We planned it that way. David Reinbacker. Reinbacher. <laughs> I'm actually sweating and cringing at the same time listening to that but I've also heard it and watched it probably 20 times it is like a car crash I mean you can't look away uh poor Carrie Price they said him about to dry. like where is the card that they could have written <laughs> no this card. guy's name down on poor Carrie and it's not like it was you know an easy name it's not like he was announcing John Smith Reinbacher never even heard that name before so Carrie Price has a horrific public speaking moment Courtney, apparently you can relate to this. I can because the question was floated earlier from our producer, James Steele, about, you know, do you have anything that tops this? When I was in eighth grade, I was our class president and I was responsible for giving the graduation speech. And for some reason, they gave me a speech and they were like, basically, just make changes to it. I was like, all right, whatever. I gave it like a once over. I'm like, it's good to go. So I get there (laughs) for graduation day. I get up on the stage, I'm reading through it, and I get to a part where whoever's speech this was the year before, I think they really gave it to me so I would like, you know, have a template here, but I was like, all right, whatever, I'm just going to wing this thing. (laughs) I started reading things about their life that had absolutely (laughs) no, nothing to do with me. And I remember pausing (laughs) in the middle of it. In thinking to myself, oh, my God, what did you do? You're, like, starting to read somebody. Your friends are going to know that you don't have a dog or you didn't go on this trip or you didn't do this thing or you didn't play basketball. Like All of these things started coming out. So on the fly, I ended up, like, taking the page, just putting it, like, wherever and just skipping over a whole bunch of things. So it went from, you know – I, you know, it's a graduation speech. So you're talking about like your achievements and we're going off to high school to thanks for coming. Have a good night, more or less. And (laughs) (laughs) because I, I didn't have the, um, I guess I just didn't look it over clearly enough, but that was mortifying. And my mom afterwards, like what happened? And I was like, yeah, they gave me a speech to read, but I think it was really only supposed to be the template. And I was supposed to put my own nuts and bolts in here. So it would accurate reflect, accurately reflect my my high school, my eighth grade experience going into high school instead of whoever the heck it was the year before. 
I I have so much anxiety right now hearing that. It was. I'm oh just telling God. you. I remember like going up onto the stage, and it wasn't a huge middle school. We were in the gymnasium for graduation. We did you know our whole class in there, and I remember looking out into the crowd as I was starting to like stumble through this, realizing, oh my God, when does this thing end? Like where where can I pick up and it still be like a generic enough speech that people think I wrote it, and. It got quiet there for a minute as I was kind of trying to play this thing off that, oh, I'm just, you know, kind of moving through the speech. Let's try to riff here a little bit. You know, <laughs> nothing like a 13-year-old ad-libber um, yeah. really prepared me for my radio career all these years later. But it was – read the fine print, kids. Always read through <laughs> everything before you're supposed to go give a speech publicly and make sure if they give you a speech to read – that there isn't somebody else's life story in there that has absolutely nothing to do with you. Terrifying. Terrifying. Now, do you think that everyone in the crowd at that moment in the gymnasium, do you think they were saying, she's going to talk for a living one day? She She's going to be a public speaker one you day? You know, if they did, <laughs> then you know they were the ones with the smart money. I was just like, I was mortified in that moment. But I don't know how many people picked up on it, except for my mom and my close friends being like, what happened? Who is this that you were talking about? Did you, <laughs> did you guys get a dog that I didn't know about? And the do- death of the dog propelled you to like, you know... <laughs> Because, something I don't. I just remember there was a death of somebody, whether it was a relative or a dog, and you know the the person was talking about resilience and how it was going to set them up for a four year high school career and to not be afraid of anything. Which I remember reading that part, being like, "Oh, I can I can ad lib around this." Sure. Like everybody's yeah. got those sorts of stories. Didn't see the um the the death that came out of nowhere. <laughs> showing up in this speech that would end up derailing me for right. a couple seconds as I swiftly tried to snap back in action. And that's it. Everybody enjoy your summer. Let's go to high school. Hags. I'm sure there was someone in the audience thinking, man, what are the odds? Two people in a row, two years in a row, they've had their lives derailed by a death of a dog. That, what's going on in this town? There's something in the water. Yeah, that was, um, that was, a, that was a moment. But again, never – Get a speech, anything given you, say, read this. Actually read it before you go and talk to, you know, hundreds of people. Yes. Um, I also gave a speech once as class valedictorian or maybe biggest nerd in the class in fifth grade after our D.A.R.E. session, our drug abuse resistance education classes, which lasted a couple weeks. I got up there in fifth grade with my spiky gelled back hair, probably in some obscure NFL jersey. It might have been a Julius Peppers jersey. And I pledged to never touch alcohol because I had just been so inspired by the D.A.R.E. curriculum. I would never do drugs. I would never touch alcohol. Folks, don't make promises you can't keep. (laughs) But, hey, it played really well for the audience in fifth grade. (laughs) I'm sure. The golden child over here. And you're about to go drink right now. So... Cheers to that. Cheers to me. Cheers to me uh, <laughs> botching my speech in eighth grade. It lasted forever. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from seven to nine p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel eighty, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.